Welcome to Many Windows, Conversations on Ministry. I'm your podcast host, Jules Taylor, coming to you from Meadville Lombard Theological School in Chicago. The call to community ministry and chaplaincy is growing. Vocational discernment should always include gathering information. To that end, I've recorded a series on military chaplaincy. Earlier this year, I interviewed Unitarian Universalist ministers who serve as chaplains in each of the military branches and their components. Military chaplaincy is not a monolith. Each branch has its own rhythm and personality. In addition, there are different ways to serve, active duty, reserve, and National Guard components. This series is a 101 beginner's guide to military chaplaincy from folks who work and live this call to serve those who serve in uniform. Chaplain Captain Anthony Jenkins serves in the active duty Air Force. Chaplain Jenkins has the somewhat unique experience of having been prior enlisted before becoming a chaplain, and he has served in both the Air Force and the Army. Well, thank you for being with me today, Anthony. I'm really excited to have this conversation about being a chaplain in the Air Force. Likewise, and thank you for having me. Yeah. So uh, let's just kick it off. What what got you interested in being a uh, not just a military chaplain, but but Air Force chaplain? I know you've had a a, a long journey, a di- different different mm-hmm. paths in terms of the military. So you know, let, let's hear a little bit about your path uh, to get you where you oh. are. What's the short story? I was a I was a working bass player in the civilian world for about 10 years. And then my first five years in the army were enlisted as a bass player in the army bands. Wow. And we were on a tour, we were on a tour in Jamaica. And my executive officer was talking to me. We were at we had a break. She said, Hey, you ever thought about being an officer? I said, Absolutely not. Leave me alone about that. I don't <laughs> want to be saluted. I don't care about all that officery stuff. She said, Have you ever thought about being a chaplain? I said, Oh, what? And she said, a chaplain, you know, I was like, no, not at all. And I'm a son of a preacher. So like I was done, finished with church. Like I was like, I'm not yeah. doing I mean, that. I, but, I'm a PK too. And that took, mm-hmm. it took a lot. It took a lot of arm twisting for me too. I, I gave it the office as far as mm-hmm. I was concerned. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. I hear that. All right. <laughs> but she was like, I think you already do this. I think you already are this. I think I've watched you like be this you know, and the more I checked it out, looked at it, and I was like, wow, she's not wrong. Um, I was this person in third grade, you know, I was the kid, if you came to me and said, if I said, how are you doing? You were like, oh, not so great. I'm like, and they say, you don't want to hear about it. I was like, actually, I do. Mm-hmm. And an hour later, you know, like we sort through all your interesting baggage, trauma, like stuff, you know, and, and it wouldn't drain me. It would give me energy, really. It would fill me up to walk alongside people from a non-judgmental space, um, help you find clarity, make some sense of who you are, where you're trying to go. It never fails to fascinate me. People are infinitely, um, I'm just naturally curious about the world and people in it. So that part feeds me deeply. So it's, it's the job where I'm doing the most of what I already am, probably of anything I could do on earth. Feels very natural which makes it feel supernatural. Wow. 
So that's interesting that the beginning spark of even figuring this out didn't come from a congregation, didn't come from it came <clears> from it came from an off another uh, one of your one of your uh, commanders, somebody in your chain of command that said, "Hey, yeah. hold on a second. While you're while you're enlisted at that point in the army, you were army mm-hmm. side. All right. So how how did you wind up? Uh, how did you wind up moving through to to you obviously you went to seminary. You decided to kind of to follow that a bit. So you jumped out, jumped out of the military for a bit, and that, and then you wind up ultimately uh, Air Force chaplain. So let's hear a little bit about that. So I never actually left. The beauty of the Army Chaplain Canada program is you, at least that on that side, you do it while you're in seminary. So I I oh. got accepted to Meadville Lombard Theological <laughs> School, uh-huh. and I, while I was going for those four years, I was a chaplain Canada for those four. So I was drilling with a unit, um, an aviation unit at Aberdeen Proving Ground. I was serving them at drills and at AT and okay. going to school at the same time. Okay. So you didn't even have to, you didn't have to have a break in service Not to move all. from that, that enlisted side to move over, uh, a, a, as a, as a chaplain candidate for the army. That's how the army right. works that. So that right. was a, that was an easy piece. And so then while yes. you were, while you were in the, the army chaplain candidate program during school, and then a little after, right after you graduated, you stuck just a bit direction yep. for a little bit. And then mm-hmm. you made a different, you made a shift uh, again. So let's hear that. In November, 2019 came over onto the, from the green to blue side to the air force um, right. for many, many reasons. Um, and I don't, I'm not one of those like, the army is terrible. The air force is amazing. Like both of them are <laughs> cool. Depends on what you do, but um, yeah. certainly more family friendly, less in the field, less away for so long. Um, uh, different mission, very different culture, yeah. um, but rich, vital work. Uh, very meaningful, very fulfilling experience here for sure. Wow! Um, so you you've been on the you've been on the the air side. Uh, so, uh, what's that coming up on? F- this will be four three and a half years, years almost four and a half yeah. years, almost four mm-hmm. years. All right. And, uh, and you're active duty. So mm-hmm. uh, how many you've been in, you've been in a couple of different locations here, getting ready to, to move again. What do you, what's it like to be a military chaplain? What's it like to be an air force chaplain? Uh, it's, uh, it's more meaningful to me than I can really describe to you. It is the air, the air force and the military is the most probably diverse population on the planet contains everything, every ethnicity, every race, every orientation, every sex, every gender, every, uh, socioeconomic status, you know, it's got not just people from the U S but people from all over and people who are not even U S citizens necessarily are coming in, um, to try to earn citizenship. You have the entire swath of the human experience really, to your left and your right. And you, we all have this understanding that we all have to trust each other with our lives. I mean, like the nation trusts us, but like we have to literally trust, all right, my pharmacist is another person in uniform and my um, person that's packing my parachute is another person in uniform and all that kind of stuff. So because of that level of trust and proximity, we get to have all the conversations that people out in the civilian world sometimes are afraid to have. We get to bump up into each other really get to know what it means to be who you are and who I am and figure out where the common threads are and live into those. And the the rich diversity of the population to me is, I don't know if there's anything else, any other group on the planet that has that. Um, specifically, Air Force is a very um, thoughtful, fairly cerebral branch because of what the mission is. So, um, air power, you know, all that stuff, but probably only 4% of the Air Force 
flies and fights and wins. So everybody else is in some kind of interesting support role, some kind of ISR intelligence place and kind of a tech support. I'm with all medical people right now. So all my folks are all the pharmacy techs, radiology techs, dietary, all those folks who are going into the medical fields and into the clinics. Um, you know, I don't even, I would bet most, you know, a lot of people, if they're not familiar with the military, might not yeah. even occur to them that, oh, right, you've got a, you've got a pharmacist, you've got mm -hmm. a physical therapist, and they, they all yep. wear, all wear uniforms. So all these other support, oh yeah, HR, yeah, we got entire, entire, you know, groups, entire, entire units that are, you know, you got to have HR to run these pieces. Don't even but think Chaplin, about that, right? I think we're the only ones that do our thing. So you're like the only, you're like the spiritual, moral, ethical, subject matter expert. You're like the only person in the command who represents, for a lot of people, the sacred, even though they all have different ideas about what is holy for them and what is sacred for them, you kind of like embody it. So you advise your command and your leaders on all the things, all the mission components that, that deal with spiritual, moral, ethical stuff. But you also just invite people into a space where they can find whatever is divine for them. Um, and that's, we're the only people that do that <laughs> in the entire unit. And that is a wonderful kind of space for me to occupy. It has its own kind of authority, has its own kind of responsibility. But we were talking about rank earlier, you know, a lot of the reason why we don't, I don't care other than, I mean, nothing sounds sweeter to my ear than Chaplin. Right. Not even Chaplin Jenkins, just Chaplin. Mm. Chaps, Chappie has its own kind of intimate uh, communal thing, which never gets old for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there is something, uh, you know, we do all, and and again, if, if you haven't listened to other of these podcasts, I'm also, uh, I'm, I'm also uh, a military chaplain and Air I serve with the Air National Guard, so the National Guard component of the Air Force. So I'm also an Air Force chaplain, trained all the same mm -hmm. way, do all the same stuff. And uh, there is something, uh, certainly uh, within Air Force, we have rank, right? We hold a rank, and it's always in parentheses. Literally, it's in parentheses right. if you see right. it printed out. So chaplain is our title, and rank is in parentheses. And that mm -hmm. allows that allows this ability. That allows us to be able to navigate the rank structure on the outside of it to yeah. some degree where if like you're just talking about if that command and whatever, you know, you as an 03 right now uh, as, as a as a captain, right, you can go right to the 06 if you need to directly and say, hey, listen, there we, there's a we got some morale things going on. We got to talk yeah. about this, right? Yeah. Or talking with, you know, an E2 about things that are going on with them. Hey chaps we got to talk about this right yep. and your the yep. rank part is always in parentheses it come that chaps comes first you know people talk about the air force being more chapel based and that Definitely. has that's an element to that uh on the active duty side that and uh, i'm going to wind up having another podcast episode we're going to talk the reserve and and guard component which has a has a different for, for the air force and I, um can you talk a little bit about that also the fact that there are plenty of opportunities that are not chapel based within active duty. Uh, but can you talk a little bit about that? Cause that is something a little different. So this assignment for me has been a one deep, which means I haven't had a chaplain assistant. I haven't, I'm not attached to a chapel at all. I've just been able to just go be with people. So mm -hmm. I've the mass of what I've done here has been wall to wall counseling and pastoral care and just walking alongside what they would call unit engagement, just being with people where they are and helping them do that. Traditionally, the air force is definitely more. We're at the chapel 
We're over here if you need us. Come over here if you need us. There have been initiatives lately like True North and stuff where they're trying to create more opportunities for people to be unit chaplains, to be embedded with, with units where they serve them. And it's not all about come to the chapel for services, but it's more about let me be with you where you are. That was very natural for me anyway, certainly coming out of that other thing. So um, it has been chapel-based, but I think what it is becoming is more on the ground with folks because not necessarily, I mean, most of your active duty people are not really going to the chapel. Chapels are full of retirees and civilians. You know, a lot of yeah. active duty people have full lives. They're busy during the week. They don't necessarily want to come back to base for a service. So right. creating small group stuff, midday stuff, things here and there where you can touch them in the context of their already full day works better on active duty because they're not really trying to come. I mean, even, I don't know if this has been your experience, but even when I was in the reserve component, people have their own churches. They got their own, right. you know, stuff. So like my, I felt like, let me create some stuff as a chaplain that they're not going to get at their place that may or may not be a worship service, but will help fill them and feed them. And then they can take that and do whatever with it. Um, yeah, yeah. We have rich chapel stuff still. I mean, that I think that's the bread and butter of Air Force Chaplaincy, but it is becoming more hybrid and more um, agile. I mean, for better or for worse, for this assignment, I've had a lot of room to create things that didn't exist before I got into the spot. And that, I think, I do think overall from a culture standpoint, there's more room to do that. It does require you, to some degree, any job, but certainly as a chaplain requires you to know yourself well enough that you know what is authentic for you to innovate from like, who am I and what parts of myself could I share genuinely authentically that would be medicinal, but also are, um, are authentic to me are coming out of my own walk and coming out of my own um, path. So finding those things like, uh, you know, I was running a podcast here for a long time, like this one, a spiritual, whatever wellness podcast every week. I wow. was, I stood up a meditation mindfulness group here every Saturday, you know, we yeah. did like, deep listening and um breath work and sitting meditation and there's nothing in the afi that says you can't do that right but there's room for you to you know to do that i mean our i think our doctrine as a chapel corps the loosest of any office it's just like look care for souls figure out how you want to do that but every chaplain has uh room certainly in the air force to do it in their way you know yeah yeah. And just uh, to, to jump back, AFI is Air Force Instruction. So that is Air kind Force of the rule yes. book. That's like mm -hmm. the rule book, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the edges so you know where your right and left are. So, yes. uh, yeah, that I, I that's been that's been an experience uh, for me, too. I've done some similar stuff. And, and that's really exciting, though, to hear about to hear about those opportunities. I think you really hit uh, a particular way to think about that though too is right. What to, to do assessment and find out what do people need where you are and what you yeah. found out is, yeah, the coming back on weekend, not everybody lives on base. And if they, they may get, go to church off base, wherever it is, if yeah. they find, find that opportunity. And so coming back isn't necessarily a thing. So where is a, where's the short windows during the work week, maybe a 15 minute or a 10 minute or a half hour, someplace yeah. that they, that can enrich and connect where they are. And by being embedded, by, by connecting in those ways, it's also more likely that when stuff's hitting for them, they're going to reach back out and remember, oh yeah, oh yeah, you're out there, right. Right, I don't have to head somewhere else, you'll come to me. And we're in relationship in that way. You know, I've, I've built, I've created and cultivated um, relationships so that you think of me in those moments. 
which means I, I need to be around when there's not something on fire. <laughs> you know, you need yes. to see me like just generally, but I, because to me, the air force is so small in comparison to um, some other branches, certainly the Marines are smaller than the Air Force, but the Marines fall up under the Navy. So Navy chaplains serve all that. We are a small, especially compared to Army, small branch. So oh, yeah. everybody you oh, yeah. know, you're going to run into them again. Everybody who you see, you're always two or three degrees away from somebody. So, That's you right. know, if you build bridges, that'll serve you. And if you burn them, whoo! It doesn't take long. It doesn't take <laughs> long for that burn. message to get out there. It sure doesn't. <laughs> So for better or for worse, it's a, it is a smaller branch. Yeah. Um, but in that way, every relationship that you build ends up serving you later in ways that surprise you, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. people run into you again and you don't even know they're running into you. They run into you in rooms where they're deciding who gets what special duty assignment or who gets what sure. special position. And they happen to know you and they say, mm -hmm. I know this person and go. And because it's so small, um, I think you probably have a little bit more agency over your career than you would in some of the bigger ones. Interesting. So are there things, thinking about back to your seminary time, things that you, that have been helpful tools that have been helpful that have, that have, that from seminary or the, the, maybe your internship or even from other work that you've done before, you've got a, like you said, you got a, a, a wide rich history before you even moved into this direction that is helpful for you as a chaplain. I, and this is not, it's going to sound like a commercial, right? But I, the thing about Meadfield that I am most grateful for in that seminary experience is the amount of space and time you get to figure out who you are, mm. like what your voice is, what your style is. I mean, we certainly, we read books and write stuff, but it wasn't all about write 50 million papers about who said what about what said what about this particular blah, blah, blah. It was like, figure out who you are deeply as a person, figure out your joys and figure out your trauma and your sorrow and your stuff so that you can articulate whatever ministry is for you from the most authentic, clear, uh, awake space. And those classes, like something like arts and aesthetics would be like, what does this have to do with ministry? It has everything to do with like, how do I create, you know, of course, intro to pastoral care, but any number of those courses that were, you know, even a go be with this community site for, eight hours that has seemingly has nothing to do with you, but has everything to do with how am I going to go out and do ministry in the real world with people outside walls of a particular sacred space? How can I like be that? That for me, and I don't know if I would have gotten that anywhere else, to be honest with you. I don't know if I would have gone seminary anywhere else. Like Meadville was the place for me because I got the vibe that you're going to figure out who you are deeply and be able to do whatever speaks to you. But because chaplaincy to me is so much one-to-one, heart-to-heart, person-to-person. Um, my ability to lead you deeply into yourself, I can only take you as deep as I take it myself. I think Meville gives you a ton of opportunity to do that. So from that experience, um, again, self-inquiry, a lot of like, who are you? Why did you do this? Why do you say this? Why are you like this? Helps mm -hmm. you walk, help other people walk that path, you know, be alongside them. 
Yeah. And and so wherever and however, continuing to need to do that work is really important too, whether they yeah. get it at Meadville or whatever, whatever place mm-hmm. at, or experience beforehand, people come with sure. lots of rich stuff before, but I think you, you hit on something really important. That piece is, is serving you uh, and not just a military chaplaincy. I mean, I, that's going to serve in any kind of ministry setting, but, but especially I think what you talked about uh, military folks are not going to take a whole lot of extra fluff stuff. They're going to, it goes, there's no time. The nope. mission is too important. And so we're yeah. just going to, any, any extra stuff, let's just say <laughs> is, yeah. is, is superfluous and it doesn't take it. So if, if we're not ready to, if we don't know ourselves and can't jump right down there for ourselves, yep. then they don't have time. They don't have time no. for us to bring that stuff through. So, so whoever and whatever way path anybody's on making sure that you keep doing more work keep doing oh, that, yeah. that reflexivity piece that reflexivity piece is key and they can see through your smoke if you if you weren't actually aligned with who you are troops can see through that i mean oh, yeah. most don't care what box you check theologically but they they'll know if they trust you or not you know they'll know if they feel like they can trust you with their stories and their secrets and their deep dark stuff but also their bright light stuff i mean they they know they'll know if they can trust you or not and that's different for every chapter in terms of how you build trust um authentically but you got to be able to do that and the more you know yourself the more you can authentically i mean i find people are watching you all the time as a chapter you don't know that they're watching you and so it's less about what i say in the stated times where i'm speaking chaplain stuff but it's like how am i at the water cooler like how am i walking around, being with people. How am I when stuff is frustrated or high tempo? People are just checking you out from a distance, watching the way you embody whatever you, whatever your faith is. Yeah. And if yeah. love comes through your prism, I think, you know, you can do amazing stuff as a child. If it doesn't, then you could say all the right, amazing. You could be an incredible orator. And if you don't live that, I think more than any other culture, troops will see through that. And, and you won't, all you'll know is people don't really come see you. Nobody be like you're an awful chaplain and just be like, how's how's everything going? Fine. How are you doing? Good. Everything's great. Outstanding. Mm -hmm. Outstanding. Lovely. Military chaplaincy, even when I get done chaplaincy with vets or active service or whatever, is just there's something about this culture that is so diverse and so um, unique and just contains so much of the human experience. It would be hard for me to try to work with a, with some other population, it'd be difficult. I could do it, you know, but yeah. it would be difficult. I mean, even on um, this assignment, there's all that diversity. And also I've been able to do lots of probably unofficial um, small group or one-to-one mentorship ministry with other people of color, you know? I mean, it's been, especially the last couple of years with, um, I pick a person, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, whatever, like the last couple of years, yeah. Um, we've been having some really interesting, hard conversations in the Air Force where we can get people together in circles. And it hasn't been intuitive, I think, for commanders to be like, chaplain, you should lead this in the way that it is in the Army. Like, Army be like, this seems like a sensitive thing. Put the chap up. I think Air Force is more like, we'll put our commanders out there, right. maybe mental health, and hope that it comes together. So to have been, I think we as you use are, are uniquely suited to be like, hey, look, I could take a wheel on this. Yeah. In fact, I should take a wheel on this. Yeah. Let me um, hold this down, especially as 
a person of color myself, um, being able to help bridge the gap, uh, demonstrate some things, help illuminate some stuff has been really um, quite rich in this assignment the last few years. Wow. And like you said too, right, you just described again that need for relationship, that relation mm-hmm. the relationship with those commanders, with other folks to to then because it's not intuitive necessarily right. in, in in the Air Force, for them to go, oh right. I know who we gotta I know who we gotta tag with this. Let's mm-hmm. let's let's pull them in. But that that takes you gotta build that. That's not gonna happen automatically. So mm-hmm. you have to build that. And then so coming from the top, then given given that uh uh, the opportunity, also the relationships from the other folks, then it is what's going to allow that experience to be rich, to probably have permission and feel safe and engaging in those tough conversations, no right? Doubt. Because, yeah, because of the way those relationships are. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, That's I've had commanders call me here and be like, "I have a person. I have to decide whether or not I'm going to keep them in the Air Force or not." And I trust you. So if you know them, basically whatever you say is going to move the meter. You know, should I keep them in or not? Right. And, and that's not a real. No, go ahead. I was just going to say that. Sorry, I didn't mean to, to jump in that's that great. that quick. So, and there's a difference between that and breaking confidentiality around yeah. like the stories that people have had. But but yeah. we 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 interact with people in ways that are not within the confines of the confidential uh communication mm-hmm. piece right where we're yeah because especially those of us that wind up embedded often with with and working with troops that way working with airmen that way uh yeah you get to know people and so then if a commander goes hmm what do you think it's not about breaking confidentiality it's about experience and and trusting the uh, part of our responsibility. It's, I mean, that yeah. is part of our AFI is advising command. So you've also got family you, to, to speak. Also talking about you, like you got family, your active duty, like how, how, how does, how does that balance work for you? You got young kids, right? Ooh, I do. Um, you know, and our oldest has some special needs, you know, it's on the autism spectrum. So it's not, there's plenty of heavy lifting to do at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to be mindful of this because I love this work so much. So I, it took me a while, not with this assignment particularly, but to have good work-life balance, not because not because I'm a workaholic, but just because it's so natural and fulfilling and meaningful and uplifting. So there has been certainly plenty of space for me to have that balance. I have seen commanders more in the Air Force, certainly model, um, go home at a decent hour, don't answer email in the middle of the night, like don't send email in the middle of the night. Um, spend time with your family. We're going to create opportunities for you to bring your family out if you want to or for other people's families to get together. Um, Air Force by far more family-friendly branch. It must be the most family-friendly branch um, and was a large part of the reason why I transitioned over and came this way was um, having young kids. This is even before we knew we had a special needs element, but I wanted to be able to Balance both of those spinning plates well. Air Force gives you a lot of ability to do that. Deployments are shorter. Um, TDYs generally are shorter. Uh, field experiences are not really happening. If they are, it's much more humane <laughs> in that way. Um, so for who I am now, for what I have on the plate now, yeah. Um, they haven't been super involved, my family, with this unit too much. And a lot of that has been 
probably more comfortable for us because everybody here is cool, but we just had a lot to do at home. Um, but there has been ample opportunity and lots of space and like grace for all that family yeah. stuff. Well, and you know, one of the things that one of the things that active duty in particular offers is so many resources and support to families sure. regardless, right? Like yeah. there's ability for, for spouses, for kids. They're all, they're all under the umbrella of dependence. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, all that, all that kind of support too. Like, like uh, I haven't been able no, nobody I've interviewed yet is, as we haven't really had that conversation yet about what's, what's available um, for, for military dependents when you're active duty. Oh, I listen, San Antonio was nowhere on my list of desired nothing. I mean, my dream sheet one through ten was all California stuff. So when they were like San Antonio, I was like San Antonio, California. And they were like, no, Texas. But this is if you have a dependent, particularly on an autism inspection, this is like one of the greatest places you could be on earth. And we didn't know when we arrived that that was a thing. So we were immediately able to get speech therapy and occupational therapy and ABA therapy. It was all right there. TRICARE covered pretty much every bit of it. Very few um, stuff, things to pay for out of pocket. You know, it was all just abundantly present. And generally speaking, they're not going to send you anywhere that doesn't support your dependents' uh, specific medical needs. So if, if they vector you for a spot and they don't have the stuff to care for your folks, at least your family's not going there. You might go there for a little bit, but the, there's this great emphasis on, you know, you're not going to be good if your family's not. And if they need to be cared for in a particular way, we can't send you, we can't send them necessarily someplace remote if they don't have the stuff for it. So we have been greatly supported in terms of medical needs, uh, everything you could want in terms of therapies and resources and support is there and available for sure. Yeah. And that's an active duty. That's a because because you're not paying for it at all. Right. It's not even something that it's all right there. You don't have to leave your. It's usually at your installation. You don't have to go anywhere. Uh, it's part of the package for you. Yeah, that's a big difference, and that's a huge benefit to to active duty. Uh, active duty service is is yeah. those kind that benefit around uh, and again dependents are are certainly children but also uh, spouse also is mm -hmm. considered a military a military dependent yeah not oh, not yeah. in the way the IRS talks about a dependent but that's just how the language works so, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so you know spouse I know I know I've heard about uh, opportunities to try to help with uh, you know, as as you as you get relocated to someplace help for finding uh, uh, maybe you have a maybe you're a teacher or something your spouse is a teacher and so if they're not licensed in the state well how can we fast track a license now so that they can work here and there's lots of those kinds of benefits as well that yeah. active duty brings uh that's really really amazing not to mention all the all the healthcare pieces and um and and pay and you know uh retirement benefits too oh, all yeah. those really powerful and supportive community too right that so too. when deployments happen when deployments happen, you know, the spouse, your, your, who, the, your family there has other families are doing that too. So there's, there's yeah. kind of a built-in support there when it happens too. I mean, you know, in a very real sense, financially, there's a fair amount of benefits that don't even impact your taxes. I mean, I don't, I don't even know if any other kind of ministry is like, all right, here's a good chunk of money for housing and it's not showing up on your W-2. So I'm not paying taxes on it. Here's a, here's some money for food. Yep. Not showing up on your W-2. You know, there are any number of ways. Um, you know, it's as much what you get paid as much as what you're not paying for because we are essentially, the military is essentially a socialist kind of thing. You know, we all, like, we just don't pay for yeah. stuff. So it's, yeah. 
this is interesting to me how many people are like, I love the military. I hate socialism. I'm like, so look, right? Yeah. <laughs> I hear you on that. But actually, that's what we are. You know, I'm in 03. I have this many years time, 14 years time of service. I'm married with dependents at this zip code. And anybody else with that other than special pay for airborne or something like that, we make the same thing. That's right. That's right. Doesn't even matter what the job is. We make the same thing, you know? That's right. That's right. Oh, I love that. I love that. So uh, anything else, anything else we haven't covered, anything you think is, it would be useful or interesting for folks considering uh, becoming uh, a military chaplain, but specific to air force, anything, anything that you can. Uh, you know, I feel like, I don't know if this is Air Force specific, but military chaplaincy for us as you use also yeah. stretches us in a good way. Yeah, um, yeah. Because it puts you in close relationship with people who you know, you know they do all the opposite things you do in the voting booth. You know that. You know you basically cancel each other out. You know you go in and they do this and you do that. But you figure out how to love each other and trust each other. You understand better why they pull the levers they pull. Doesn't mean that you agree with it, but the more you understand, the less judgy you are, the less um, dehumanizing you are, any number of things. So because this is, I mean, our UU congregations are super diverse, but the military is the most diverse. So you're looking at people who do stuff you would have never met, who are in on the other end of the spectrum from you in terms of politics or theology, but because you're up close and because you have to trust each other in a particularly unique way, it, um, is incredibly expanding, but it also keeps, I feel like it keeps you honest. Doesn't, doesn't keep you from holding your faith, but certainly does um, keep you from, from feeling completely disconnected from the other helps you navigate spaces that aren't all totally progressive, affirming, welcoming, yeah. figure out how to speak the language of people who are on the other side. And that, um, you know, that part is beautiful to me. I mean, it's, as hard as it is, right, the, an interdependent web of all existence means mm -hmm. that there's an interdependent web of all existence that includes things that are hard and things that we don't agree with, too. So where mm -hmm. where are those connections? How do those connections happen? Where, um, yeah, where, where the military is a place, like you said, that we can, that we, we have to pay attention. We have to pay attention. We have to engage across difference. I appreciate the time. Yeah. I appreciate this time that you've spent and appreciate the conversation uh, about, about this. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Many Windows Conversations on Ministry is a production of Meadville Lombard Theological School. Theme music is Destination by Just Thea. This episode is produced by Jules Taylor and as always, a special thank you to Tomo Hilmo.